Welcome to episode 113 of Bo Knows Health. This is Dr. E, Ursan Religioso of Modern Manual Therapy. Pretty prestigious, prolific guy in the industry. I was uh, grateful to be able to chat with him and we shared some cool stories. He had me on his podcast, Untold Physio Stories, where uh, he allows clinicians to tell a story. So go check out that episode. It was released I think sometime in September 2022 here. I don't know if there was an exact number for it. I'll try to put a link in the show notes. Other than that, don't forget to share this episode with someone you think will benefit, another PT, an up-and-coming PT, someone who wants to make their way in the field, or patients who might benefit from learning more about how we think on this side of things and how we want to change the healthcare system. So hope you guys enjoy. I lost my voice a little bit. Um, so I hope that doesn't sound too off in this intro. We recorded this one a few weeks ago, so I think my voice should be all right in the, uh, in the episode, but, uh, yeah, I lost it going to the Denver Broncos versus New York Jets game. If you don't know, I'm a huge New York Jets fan. And also, uh, this is my first podcast I'm releasing since the birth of my son. So been a little delayed, been a little busy, been a little sleep deprived. Um, we're going to do more announcements on that. So if you guys are listening, appreciate you being here. Uh, I'd love to have uh, my son on <laughs> once he can coo a little louder and cry a little louder. You'll probably start hearing more about him from him. And uh, without further ado, let's jump into Dr. E, episode 113. Are we live? Unique New York. There it is, Unique New York. Let the, this, was, this was Dr. E's choice, Ice Ice Baby. We're letting it rock. We're not, we're not going to get sued because we're talking over it. Great. It's just in the background. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are joined by Dr. E. Welcome to Bono's Health. I believe this is episode 113. I got to do better at knowing what's going on there. Uh, he's a prolific podcaster. I saw you had uh, the Untold Physio stories going all the way back to 2016. Oh, yeah. And before that, I think probably in You had a different one, yeah. 2013, something like that. We were the first major PT podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> gosh, Therapy Insiders. I can't remember the name. Yeah. One of the old school, traditional, like, long form interview podcasts. Yeah. And you're going strong. They're going strong. They, they shifted in 2016. So if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, we just recorded an episode, so so look out. Hopefully, the audio came out all right on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Vanilla Ice there. Sorry, Vanilla. I don't. I forgot what his real name is. I probably knew that at some point. Fun trivia fact. Do you know? Yeah, what I forget it too. Name? I know he owns a surf shop now. Oh, that's fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Anyway, did he do one of those like uh, you know uh, '90s boxer things like celebrities boxing with like Tanya Harding <laughs> oh, or? Right. One of those. Oh man, yeah. Actually, I think he fought Tony Harding. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> I hope. I hope that's not true. He went for the knee. <laughs> ah, boo, <laughs> boo. Um, all right. So, uh, Doctor E is all the way in Buffalo, New York. Um, it is. There's no no six feet of snow yet. Not yet. Not yet. No, no. I mean, if you've ever taken my my live or online course, I, that's the picture I show of me uh, during one of our major snowstorms that shut down the city for like over a week. Luckily, we had just gone grocery shopping. We were stocked up on beer and wine. <laughs> but there's a picture of me, like, just in the middle of a whiteout blizzard with, a with a with like, a measuring tape, measuring six mm. feet of snow um, over my mailbox. I had At the yeah. time, I had a Ford Edge. Not, not a Ford Edge. 
the Ford Flex, which is like a big boxy wagon thing. I couldn't see it. I basically walked <laughs> over it to get to wow. the end of my driveway. Yeah, it was wow. nuts. Yeah, that's not who, every year though. Yeah, that's what anyone, we're known for, but that's not uh, yes. every year. Anyone who loves snow, head up to Buffalo. Um, nice. Yes. We're not going to mention Bill's Mafia because Dr. E does not like football. So hold that against him if you like or, right. or applaud him. I don't have anything against it. I just don't follow football. I don't say I hate football. I just don't follow football. And, you know, we'll give you a little slack since you have six children. Um, not a lot of time for <laughs> much else. And you're also one of the most prolific, uh, I would say, figures in, in the physical therapy space. Uh, you know, I've heard of you for, for again, a long time. Uh, definitely one of the celebrities in the space if we want to go there. Um, and, and so, yeah, many different things teaching, uh, are you currently still seeing folks one-on-one -on -one at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, in fact, I just walked out of my clinic with crappy internet. I'm sitting here in my, in the parking lot where the internet, it happens to be better. Um, so yeah, I, I have a cash-based PT practice, edge rehab and sports science. Everything is e-based, right? Always be selling. And, um, so yeah, I see, I see people, you know, like a handful every week, mostly like you, the people who have tried everything mm -hmm. uh, except for <laughs> good care, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Is, is uh, the system is designed the way it is and it does, it does good enough, I guess. And we're, and most people are okay with that status quo and, you know, uh, versus understanding that there's, there's options to be optimal, to thrive, not just survive and get out of some pain and, and walk away being like, yeah, it feels a little better. Um, so yeah, it's a huge, huge difference uh, in what we're talking about here for, you know, anyone who's listened to my podcast, if this is your first episode, uh, <laughs> it's something I, you know, I, I preach every single episode, including my other podcast, the Demand Better podcast, where we're calling out the professions. Um, and in fact, I have um, recording my next episode with Brooke Seam, a friend of mine, old uh, CrossFit teammate, and we're de she's demanding better from the psychiatric profession because she was put on antidepressants at 15 and uh she tells the story it's uh, she just published her book and uh not to plug her book too much here but at the same time it's you know 15 years of being in the system she does a really good job for anyone who wants to see how you just get you know go from one psychiatrist to a psychologist and get put on pills and they're just like yeah get out of my office basically like you know she she tells the story very very colorfully um and there's a lot of unique stuff there but yeah it's unfortunately <clears throat> uh, I'm sure you've covered it a lot on your untold physio stories podcast of, you know, the, the frustration of this system that we're in. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, that's something that's a soapbox I could definitely go on too. I mean, there is just the system is the system, whether it's meds, but I mean, I would say PTs, chiros, massage therapists, rehab professionals, we could be part of that system too. If you literally just take people's money and never have any change, mm -hmm. you know, if you have every clinic, I always say has their lifers, but the majority, if the majority of your patients are lifers, then you're doing something wrong because ultimately, yeah. unless you do have like, you know, a lot of fitness and wellness built into your program, um, if you're doing, you know, traditional kind of PT, my whole thing is better enforced, you may know more because you're either going to be better or it's not going to work, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to just keep on taking your money if we're getting no change. Right. Right. And that's the frustrating yeah. thing. Uh, I found it to be when I lived in Southern California to be just all too common, uh, much less common when I was in New York City, because uh, I think it's a little bit of mindset shift, if you will, but uh, without going into offending too many people in that regard. But uh, when I was in Southern California, uh, so many folks, when I would ask them about their back pain or, or have those conversations, like, 
well, I've been going to see my chiropractor for the last 10 years. And, and, you know, I just go see him anytime I, you know, my back hurts and he pops it back in place or readjusts me. And, and, and it's like, that's the system. Um, and it's, you know, in my mind, I'm screaming, like, don't you want to get out of the pain? Um, <laughs> you know, is, is, can we do something? So yeah, that's my business. I talk about, you know, let's, uh, I can help you feel better and move better in 30 minutes. Um, but we got to put a plan in place for the next 30 days. And if we're not measuring outcomes and if you're not holding me accountable, I'm charging you X amount of dollars because I want you to make a change. And, you know, that's the other way that, that I talk about it with folks. Uh, I'll just throw out a r random client I kind of have right now. Uh, who I met through a CrossFit space and she's dealing with some hip stuff and, and uh, she's a personal trainer herself. And I'm, I, I just had this conversation with her. She's considering going through insurance and I'm like, you might get better. She's been dealing with it now. Uh, she stopped seeing me for, for a little while. She tried to go the insurance route and now she's worse than she ever was. And I, I look, I'm, I'm looking at her. I'm like, Hey, for the next 12 weeks, I'm going to put you on this particular plan. I'm here for you. And that's going to cost you $2,000 based on how many times we see each other in person and the online support would, you know, and that's, that, that's a tricky thing to say. And I can't guarantee in, with $2,000 that you're going to be better, but it, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the long and short of it. I don't know if we're going to ever see a system like that. There was recently this, um, what's the, the act, uh, you're, you're probably familiar. The, um, no, no surprises act. That's kind of been required. Oh, yeah, no surprises um, act. No surprise. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say as a consumer who's been burned so many times anyway, you think like even if they're in network, you know, you go to your doctor, your surgeons in network, but like every single person they use, every single blood work, they every single test that's run on you, it's all run by out of network people and you still end up with a huge bill. I would say as a consumer, I like the No Surprises Act. As a clinician who's out of network, <laughs> it's hmm. terrible. And hmm. it, it's uh I, I understand why the public needs to be protected, but I mean, it, you just can't say like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to, it's definitely going to be this much because I don't know, it could be simple. It could be complex. You know, yeah. I think it, it might be easier for someone like you who has like a flat rate, but me who's just charging, you know, top dollar per visit. I, all I can do is just average per visit, you know, like, well, oh, you have low back pain. Ah, chances are it's going to take four to six visits. You have whatever post-op might take eight to 10 visits, even though I don't see a lot of post-ops. I mean, the majority of my patients, uh, very rarely is it acute. Uh, and only it's only acute if uh, I happen to see someone who I've seen in the past and I know I can get them better quickly. But most of the people have been through the system and, you know, regardless of how long they've had pain, I still get the majority of them better in, you know, four to six visits. But it, it's really hard to say that it's, it's going to be, you know, a fair estimate, whatever. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. I mean, again, I think... I understand the need for it so people don't get burned, but it, it ends up burning people like you and I way more than like these, the, the actual system that is all in network that don't have to provide their patient with a, with a fair estimate. You know, it's right. only people who are like trying to do better, trying to provide like a concierge level of care um, and trying not to overutilize. Ever, essentially, it doesn't protect the, the consumer at all from overutilization mm -hmm. of your typical healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. My wife's a, a sex and relationship therapist. So if a couple's coming to her like, hey, we're having marital problems because of X, Y, Z. Uh, and she's like, well, we can solve this in three sessions. We can solve this in 100 sessions. You know, <laughs> it's like, do you give a range of like, it can take anywhere. You know, you said four to six for low back pain. Uh, that, that's like almost some, you know, and yeah, that's fair uh, versus, and I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the thing I always picked up back from physical therapy school 
uh, is defensible documentation. So yeah, if that's the law and you just have to say, kind of cover your butt, cover your ass um, of saying like, I did my best to give an estimate and say, hey, uh, again, I have this 12 week program that, you know, it might not even fall under physical therapy technically, but you know, it's gonna strengthen this and we can get into whether it's coaching or this, you know, there are all these kind of gray areas where no one, you know, I certainly don't want to sound like I'm trying to skirt the system, but the system again is, it's pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, like you said uh, and alluded to, we want to protect the consumer. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think we've gone into this educational system. We're trying to work with other clinicians to make sure that the system is improving, that we're helping consumers on some level and, and hopefully moving them away from the, the again, that kind of, uh, you know, eat, eat them up, spit them out system uh, that just keeps folks not getting better. Um, and, you know, for us to try and be trying to do better and then have to fall within this kind of compliance is it's a little frustrating to say the least. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I think when I, last time I talked to Aaron LeBauer about it, um, he said that, you know, even though you, you have to provide um, a, a, a fair estimate, you, you um, I don't know if you know who Gwen Simons is. She's a PT and uh, a manual therapy fellow, but she's also a lawyer. So she does a lot of PT legal stuff. You know, mm -hmm. she, do you know who she is? I have not heard the name, no. Okay, well, uh, in her big webinar that she held for a lot of PTs, because she, again, can interpret these things a lot better than we can, um, her stance, according to Aaron, was that you really only need to provide the fair estimate if someone asks you for the fair estimate or they definitely tell you, hey, I'm going to submit for out-of-network. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if they're not even submitting for out-of-network, you don't have to provide a fair estimate because they're just willing to pay whatever it is you have. But if they say, hey, you know what, I'm definitely submitting a network then you have to give them that fair that fair estimate right yeah yeah and again the the, the law is just kind of you know hey it's it's going to be hard with a lot of things for folks to come after you um you know as if you have a license a physical therapy license it it, it does have some restrictions um and, and and again sometimes it's like i'd rather be a coach and fall, you know put things under my fitness side rather than the physical therapy side because it is a little bit less litigious less issues there but even on the physical therapy side again that's one of the reasons our malpractice insurance is so low because again for us to really do harm it's it's going to take a lot um you know i only it got is. into it's mostly burns right that's like the, burns the, and the and well uh since moving here and i know you're in new york state where i did practice for a long time dry needling uh where again a little crazy that physical therapists uh were not are not allowed in a couple of states to you know put needles in folks but uh, the one big thing there is uh, possibly, you know, puncturing a lung, which I, I have heard of a few it is, folks. But it's still um, rare, you know. Still pretty rare. It's still sure. rare. Even when mm -hmm. it happens, it's been documented, and you know, just like um, like a adverse event, VBI um, or stroke or something after thrust manipulation, um, it happens. Um, it happens more times when when a chiro does it rather than a PT. Um, and in fact, actually, soapbox. <laughs> one of my friends on social media was like hey is this you in this video and it, it just so happened that i couldn't click on this video when i finally saw this video it's this guy like surgeon reacts orthopedic surgeon reacts and he's like whatever it's i hate these stupid reaction videos like you have to be like such an egotistical maniac to think that how you react to something else is worth watching but anyway people like watching reaction videos this guy has more followers than me Mm -hmm. uh some just last week a chiropractor apparently you know almost killed a 20 something year old she had a, a stroke i didn't really look into the case 
But as part of his reacts video, he uses footage from one of my seminars for my wow. YouTube channel without permission. So mm. I'm talking about how dangerous it is for chiropractors to do thrust manipulation. <laughs> Look at this. This is a room full of chiropractors learning how to manipulate. It's so dangerous, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, it's, I'm a PT teaching a bunch of PTs. That doesn't make it. I don't want to argue with them. Right. You know, right. Yeah, that, that but, that's never uh, going to lead to a victory. No, absolutely not. He already has his mind made up, and it would probably be even worse for him to find out that he actually used PTs. I just report, I just flag the, the video for defamation and, and yeah. copyright infringement because he didn't ask me for permission yeah. to use my video anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, we there are situations like that where maybe we can reach out to the the, the person, and you know, you see you see how they respond, and it might be worth it. Might not be worth your time, but you know, that that would be my instinct again in this this kind of crazy climate we're living in where. People are so quick to respond and so extreme and uh, might be nice to, to see if you can, you know, reach across that that aisle and <laughs> and maybe maybe right, well, yeah. get some understanding. Immediately I went on. Yeah, immediately I went on the defensive. But that is good advice because maybe he's a super nice guy who just likes to make reaction videos. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the PT space, I'm sure, you know, Adam Meekins over in the UK um, and, and he'll do a lot of videos where he's very controversial. And and, you know, I think he'll admit, you know whatever, maybe one out of 10 times, you know, someone actually reaches out and is like, hey, like he blocked me for some reason at some point on, on Twitter or Instagram or something. And I'm like, what? Like, and I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, like what, what happened there? Like, I'm actually a fan of most of the stuff you post. Like I might've, you know, again, like throw through some criticism. And again, I think because of the type of person he portrays himself as, uh, he's going to have a little bit of a, of a short temper and like, Oh, you don't agree with me? Like boom, banned. And like, he's always posting, uh, that stuff. And at the end of the day too, when we talk about the grand scheme of all this stuff in, in the, uh, I do want to come back to the, the cervical manipulation piece. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there, but I do think it's interesting. All these physical therapists arguing with each other about pain science, about, you know, Oh, you're, you're still doing manual therapy. Like that's, that's terrible. Oh, like, man. You know. Anti-manual therapy sentiment is like the worst. And I get it. I get it totally. Because when a patient's like, can't you just adjust it? Can't you fix it? Can't you whatever? Can't you just needle it? Can't you poke it? Whatever they had ex positive experience with before in the past. One of my Jedi mind tricks is, you know, do you have a problem with activity? Yeah, of course I have a problem with activity. That's why I'm seeing you. Well, then you need an active solution, right? Yes. So that's one of my things that I like to, to, to make them think like, yeah, go ahead and get your adjustment over and over and over again. But another Jedi mind trick number two would be, you know, you getting an adjustment, the massage, whatever it is, ISTM, anything, mobilization, you getting a passive technique like that and expecting to get better is like you going to a, a personal trainer or a strength coach to them lifting for you and you expecting to get fit. Like at some point, is it the system or is it you? You know, it, right, it, right. in a way, it's, it's the system for not giving you accountability. Accountability is, mm -hmm. I think, the thing that you and I probably strive for the most. Um, our programs may even look different, but I mean, overall, the, it's the program. Mm -hmm. that mean that makes a difference so i'm not against manual therapy i'm just against using manual therapy as a fix you say right. you say you're fixing someone that's what's wrong yeah but if yeah. you you can't be against manual therapy if you have the means to actually make someone's exercise for tendinopathy be pain-free versus just saying oh research shows it's okay mm -hmm. to exercise into pain yeah but i mean if it's all about dosage and intensity i think it's just being a jerk mm -hmm. if you have the means to modulate <laughs> pain and you don't like I've even heard someone say, oh, Adam Meekins is against manual therapy. But yeah, he also has super high volume socialist medicine practice where he wouldn't even have time to do manual therapy. And that's why he doesn't right. do manual therapy, regardless of the reasons. You can't be against it. Like you want to do craniosacral therapy. That's fine. I don't like craniosacral therapy. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't be doing it. You might I might say you shouldn't be explaining that it's doing what you think it's doing. But if right. it's helping a patient, that's fine. 
are you giving them any active strategies to actually keep up with any of the gains you made in your clinic? That's, that's more my concern. Right. Yeah. And again, the other part I'll, I'll throw in on top of that is when folks cite evidence-based practice and, and it's like, well, does the evidence really say that? And Adam Meekins is an interesting example of for anyone following him uh you know he'll be like here's what the, what this one study shows and sometimes and it's like well is that the whole story first of all is there cherry picking and at the same time uh coming back to the cervical manipulation piece just to come back to the evidence of it uh evidence research is hard let's let's acknowledge that i think uh most research is flawed um significantly flawed it, and we're gonna it's gonna take a long time and so if there is anything in research where it says like Doing a cervical manipulation will will improve, and like we can really strongly say it's going to improve your outcomes uh, by seventy two percent or whatever. Uh, you know, there's very, very, very few things where again you can get a room of a hundred physical therapists from from picked from random fuck places, and uh, you know, and 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 they're going to agree on any one thing. Um, and that's kind of what I always say about you know when people ask me about going to do surgery and things like that. I say you know you can go to X amount of surgeons, and you're going to get X amount of opinions, if not X plus 10 amount of opinions, because everyone's going to have multiple opinions. So uh, coming back to the cervical manipulation, like what the research, my understanding is, and I think you kind of alluded to it as well, is uh, for, for cervical manipulation, I believe it causes stroke or a dissection of the, the artery there, the arterial, uh, the aortic, no, yeah, aortic artery. Um, <laughs> uh, vertebral artery. Vertebral yeah. artery. Yes, that's what I meant. Uh, aortic. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Um, uh, <laughs> you have to be manipulating. So that would be hard. good. That would be good. Sorry. The vertebral yeah. artery. Uh, and I believe the occurrence that I've seen in the research is one out of every like 4 million cervical manipulations, something like that. It, it yeah, you know, it, it's like, there's separate, several studies that I usually cite in my manip class could be one in 1 million up to one in 10 million. I've heard it much lower than that, but I mean, the other thing with that is it doesn't take into account of all the, like just times you late the lay person just self manipulates or someone also said something like um, when I was in my manual therapy training, like 24 years ago, uh, a buddy in my class was like, Oh, who, who manipulates the most? And I'll ask this question to you. Who do you think manipulates the cervical spine the most? Chiropractors. Yeah. It's, it, it, our answer is always going to be like chiros or osteopaths or PTs or whatever. He just said it's Chinese barbers. And I don't know if this is like this <laughs> joke of a stat or whatever, yeah. but what it is, is like if, if everyone gets a manipulation because they're all lay bone setters mm. Mm. you know and they don't like take into account all these manipulations that are just happening right. like every day it's not even healthcare. right right if it was really like a deadly thing as this orthopedic surgeon reacts would say <laughs> then there'd be more trouble but you know when i when i when i was actually going to reply and i, I actually typed out a reply um a, a sensible reply was that you know if you really looked at the research you would see one, I'm, I'm a PT and not a chiropractor. And two research shows, and I alluded to earlier, like up to 75% of the time when an adverse event happens, it's usually at the hands of a chiro. And it's like less than 10% of the time it's, a, it's at the hands of a PT. Does that mean we're doing less manipulations? Probably that that's what we're doing, but there's also less adverse events. But also <laughs> the iatrogenic either like death or stroke or anything is significantly higher after you see an MD. Mm -hmm. And a couple of chiropractors who've taken my courses have said that before too. Like they chiropractors in their defense have a lot done a lot of research. And of course, because MDs are prescribing meds or whatever, maybe the, the people who see them in general are less healthy, but the, the stats are way higher for iatrogenic adverse events when you see an MD versus a PT or a chiro. And apparently this orthopedic surgeon reacts doesn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and again, to that point, back to the research thing in my mind is uh, research is flawed and there's just correlation causation, uh, you know, is a huge, huge piece of that, uh, that folks right. need to understand. Again, when, even if we find a relationship and say, again, yeah, it seems that more chiropractors are causing this kind of thing. Like what else is going on? Are those patients, are they seeing more of the type of patient that is problematic? Again, not to go into the the, the C word, the COVID thing, but you know, there was definitely right. a lot of, a lot of saying, you know, yeah, a lot of the folks that passed away were very unhealthy. The more unhealthy you were, the more comorbidities you had, the more likely you were to pass away. So, um, sure. yeah. And again, it's very difficult on this global scale to look at some of that stuff, but even back for me, the thing I think of with uh, cervical manipulations, not to keep kind of punching that one in the mouth, um, is, is, you know, even if it's, even if it's 4 million, let's throw that number out there. Uh, you know, if, if I can throw a stone and hit 10 chiropractic clinics from where I live, um, and, and a lot of that, those models, not every chiropractor is like this by any means, but if they're seeing 30 patients a day, um, and they're doing a cervical manipulation on almost all of them, uh, you start doing the math on that. And you're like, there's probably 4 million cervical manipulations happening per day. Uh, so there's one, at least one person dying of a stroke per day. Like, and so, and, and the numbers are, Yeah. And the numbers are most likely on underreported uh, in a lot of right. ways. But... Or were they going to have a stroke anyway? You know, that's the thing. Yes. That's is the part, yeah. yeah, I would say maybe the strokes are underreported because it doesn't always happen on the table, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that there's just a lot of cervical, there's probably a lot, the amount of cervical manipulations are also underreported. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, in, in my courses, I call it winning the bad lottery. And I just say, <laughs> I, just leave, I just leave it up to you. Uh, and I always give informed consent because um, in, in professionally, I always say that uh, I would rather talk someone out of a manipulation rather than mm -hmm. talk someone into it. And I have given informed consent with with those statistics we've been talking about. And people have said, look, if you kill me, I'm not going to come back and haunt you. And I've had other people say, uh, I didn't know these risks. Um, I no longer want manipulations from you. And I'm going to tell my chiropractor the same thing. Uh, and that's it, you know. But um, all the testing we have, like vertebral artery tests and, um, you know, like ALR ligaments and all these things we, we learn in school for upper cervical instability. Turns out you can't predict it. No. There, there are risk factors, you know, if someone has like high blood pressure, if someone like has multiple comorbidities, if they kind of reek of smoke and they're just generally unwell, uh, multiple comorbidities, I don't ever consider cervical thrust manipulation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if someone's a young, healthy individual, chances are it's, it's not going to happen. We just can't predict right. it. Yeah, the other the other evidence piece to the, for me, and one of the reasons I I almost never do cervical manipulations is the outcomes seem to be not phenomenal. Uh, I'm sure there are. Again, you can go through the clinical prediction rules and and you know the evidence in motion team. Uh, those folks have done a lot of good research on that. But if, for me, it's just uh, even if that risk is one in four million, uh, and I feel really confident in being able to to do a cervical manipulation, I still don't think it changes the outcomes that much. We talk about an active solution, uh, which I love that that kind of concept. Um, and then again, the other piece for me that I see is thoracic manipulation seems to have just as much beneficial outcomes um, and much safer in theory um, it, it, at that regard. So yeah, the the research is just kind of it's it's there. Uh, I think we need to acknowledge it, but again, it's still limited in, in a lot of ways, but that, that's my take on the research. I don't know if you're teaching something different, so I don't want to step on your, your courses toes. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I just say in general, whether it's cervical manipulation, mobilization, soft tissue work, mulligan snag, whatever it is, so manual therapy has a transient effect. And in fact, 
the more rapid the effect is of the relief, the more rapid it tends to go away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I just I just use like Greg Lehman's analogy now of the, of the recovery at the cup and, you know, manipulation, exercise, whatever, anything I do in the clinic, whatever treatment I choose is going to empty your cup a little bit. Um, so recovery and getting out of pain is all about building a bigger cup, nutritional strengthening and everything, but also avoiding. And I think a lot of clinicians miss this, avoiding things that fill up the cup, right? Get better sleep, eat better food, change positions more often. It's not good posture, good posture and bad posture. There's no, there's no good posture and bad posture anymore. There are good exercises and bad exercises. It's just too much of one thing and not enough of another. There's not enough variability throughout your day. Do you have any maladaptive beliefs? Like you're, you, you think that you need a manipulation because you're vertebr- you have a vertebral subluxation complex. And if you don't get this adjusted every once in a while, you're going to be paralyzed or dead, which is what some chiropractors in the area have told people they have a, a running video that's like a subluxation leads to this leads to this leads to this leads to death i'm like well this guy has the this is the answer to uh to death if you just get uh adjusted everyone so you're gonna live forever this guy's been around for thousands of years um so yeah i don't care about the treatment i care about and we talked about this before i, I care about the plan um mm-hmm. the, the one thing about the clinical prediction rule for cervical thrust manipulation it, which is why i would choose and even though i teach this for a living i still don't do it even more than like once or twice a month. You know, it, it's if one of the major things that they studied in the, um, the pilot study for clinical prediction rules is that if a patient has a positive expectation that they're going to benefit from it, like if they want, if they want it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I provide it, but I still tell them, yeah. Hey, you know what? You still have to do like this end range loading reset that I'm, you know, my program is really big on end range loading resets because that will have the same effect. If mm-hmm. you do this repeatedly 10 times an hour, do all the other things I gave you in your recovery plan. You're not going to need me or anyone else to do this. So yeah. I'll take your money or you can give your money to another clinician forever, or you can just be like one of the 80% that responds rapidly and follow the program and not need me or anyone else unless like you overdo it again. Yeah. And that that's kind of my model as well is, is, you know, we talk about, I think a lot of clinicians talk about empowering the patient and all that good stuff. And there's just this huge gap in what that really means. And for me, that means, Hey, let's, get in a six month plan where at the end of the six months, I think you as my client will know more than 99% of medical providers of what you need, because I'm going to have that conversation with you. And we're going to try stuff. We're going to see what works. Um, and, and the more empowered you are not just doing self myofascial release, which is one of the reasons I think, you know, Kelly Starrett did blow up in the CrossFit space, active people saying, Hey, I can and watch these 10 minute videos, which at the time was like, unheard of, you know, again, even, even then it was like, if, if you're more than 30 seconds, you know, it's, it's, no one's going to watch that, but he was talking and people were listening. He was giving out this awesome free information. He was one of the first PTs, uh, to really do this on a, on a global scale, I would say. So, uh, for anyone who hasn't checked him out, I've had him on my, him and his wife on my podcast on episode, I believe, oh man, I, I should get better knowing my episodes a few episodes ago. Um, <laughs> I don't that, know, that was, I don't know my episode numbers and who was on them. So yeah, yeah. If, if you do, um, that's great. I'm only at like 113. So, I mean, I feel like I should, I, I don't have a huge, you know, you, you have thousands of episodes, I think. Right. So, uh, no, I don't. I'm only on episode 248 really? or something like that. But you yeah, slacking, yeah. man. You've been, you've been just the, the well, switch to untold. I'm like putting all my, all my time and money into <laughs> Instagram reels and YouTube shorts and whatever else. And <laughs> I still like post blog posts, you know, like I just try to hit people wherever they could find me. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the whole point is, again, I think that at the end of the day, this this model, uh, we have some folks, hopefully two of us here, uh, trying to elevate this profession and trying to get consumers to have better outcomes. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it's going to take is how do we get 
to the consumer. And in my experience, when, when I work with business coaches and, and they ask me like, who do you want to niche down on? Or, you know, who do you want to work with? And I say, well, I noticed that I do the best and I get the most buy-in with people who have failed with 10 other clinicians. Like I'd love mm -hmm. to get to them before they go through that and they fail with 10 other clinicians. Um, maybe they need that to work with me. I, I don't think they need it, but you know, it might, it might for some folks take that convincing and frustration uh, for them to say, Hey, I'm ready to give you six thousand uh, dollars you know for the next year uh, and and we're gonna talk about nutrition and at the end of the day cost is what you pay value is what you get I'm pretty confident I very much stand behind the value I'm bringing and I think the value is probably under uh, undervalued in, in terms of what I'm actually charging but it still has to match the market and, and all that stuff but it's just a very radical approach um, that I you know not to, to keep talking about my own business but I do think there's that missing component. And again, for a lot of people, uh, to the general public, it is very difficult to, to overcome, you know, uh, naked bodies, sexy abs, uh, you know, the stories of I'm going to get you better. And, uh, you know, you walk in here with neck pain, I crack your neck and you walk out of here without neck pain. Like, that's a pretty powerful thing. Um, not wanting to have the conversation of, you know, what, how do I make this stop coming back? Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, folks are just happy again. I've been going to Dr. So-and-so for 10 years. Uh, and you know, I did every time I have neck pain, it's been getting worse for 10 years, but you know, that's part of aging. And it's like, well, it doesn't have it's to part be of so. aging, uh, right? yeah. 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 That's why I love that gray hairs on the inside analogy. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and also like, yeah, de degenerative disc disease is, is not, we're not supposed to use that term degenerative because it's a normal part of aging. Your discs are supposed to degenerate. So it's like saying, Hey, your diagnosis is you have wrinkles on your face. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's a normal part of aging and it yeah, is a I sign of some, my dad, my dad eyes are, it, look, I have moderate mm. to severe degeneration all around my eyes. Oh <laughs> my gosh. It hurts yeah. so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not to, not to take anyone's degenerative disc disease pain down, but yeah, obviously there's That's other things going on. That fills up the cup. That is just something that fills up the cup. It right. is not the cup. Right. Right. And it's incredible again, how we as a profession, uh, ignore nutrition, stress, the cup concept. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. And I've talked to physical therapy clinics and said, Hey, I can offer nutritional coaching for your, your, your patient going through an ACL rehab. And there's definitely a scarcity mindset out there and it's an unproven thing. And it's just so out of the norm. Like you, you think they're going to pay you to talk about nutrition. I can give them a little pamphlet and that'll change everything right No, Like that doesn't work. Um, and you, again, you need that accountability. I think you alluded to it. I think it was on this one, not on our other recording, but accountability is absolutely what is missing. Um, and again, right now, most clinicians I think are good, are happy with good enough. And there's that extra 10, 20% of healing and optimizing and thriving that, you know, we're missing where professional athletes, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, like, look, you're an athlete. You want to get better as fast as possible. Yeah, if you rest or if you try this program, this, you know, whatever, knees over toes guy online, like not to pick on that, but like you might get 70% of the way there, but like that other 30% is pretty significant. And that might be the difference between what you're going to look like 30 years from now. Um, so yeah, anyway, I think we're, we're, we're speaking the same thing. We're on our same soapboxes. So um, I don't know if you want to leave folks with any, any last thoughts. on The Soapbox Podcast? Yes, that should be uh, its own. I'm sure that uh, if that's not a thing already. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone's already doing that. I don't know about in the physio space, but it's, yeah, someone should yeah, do so. it. And all these podcasts with like-minded uh, clinicians end up being the same soapbox anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's where I was like, I'm getting down my own little rabbit hole and I'm just like, oh, I got I to gotta stop myself. So, uh, yeah, let, let folks know where they can find you and, and anything else you want to leave us with. All right. Well, I go by Dr. E online. You could always call me Dr. E. Call me by my first name, Urson. Uh, but I'm at Modern Manual Therapy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I'm also on LinkedIn. Basically, I kind of repost the same content. So whatever social media platform you want to follow me on, you can follow me there. I have an e-commerce store. I sell BFR, uh, manual therapy tools, all kinds of fitness and strength training did, products. Did you get rid of the suspension trainer, the TRX one? Because I, I have one in my garage right now. I haven't seen the it. The edge suspension trainer? No, I still have the edge suspension oh, trainer. Have it? It's, like okay. a, it's like the TRX Pro, but it's blue. Yeah, uh, and it costs less than the TRX Home. So, um, you know, I have that. Just go to edgemobilitysystem.com and I can give your listeners uh, a coupon to save on that um, as a thanks for supporting small business. I appreciate that. So, yeah, edgemobilitysystem.com is my store, and then Untold Physio Stories is my podcast. And I also have on Edge Mobility System, I have all my online courses if you are a PT or rehab clinician. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time, Dr. E. And uh, we hope to hear more from you soon. And folks, go check him out. Reach out directly to him. Tell him, uh, have a reaction to his videos. So that's, that's a good way to get, get a hold of him, I guess. <laughs> post, post a reaction video. I know. My video goes viral finally when it's actually being used for some nefarious yeah. purpose, not actually when <laughs> I post it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how the internet works, folks. That uh, is all right. Works, yes. I live on an in infamy. <laughs> There you go. All right. Hopefully not. Well, thank you again for being on here. And uh, everyone out there, hopefully you got 1% better today. Let us know what you think. Leave some feedback. Share it with at least one person who you think will benefit. Uh, leave a rating, review, like, subscribe, do whatever it's going to take to move and do. Anyway, love you. Bye. Okay, 1%. Do the thing. We're ending 